is Fern Gagne's all-star wrestling goes coast to coast and continent to continent. The greatest wrestlers in the world. He may be an apprentice carpenter, but I guarantee you he is a seasoned ring veteran. I've been hit with bar stools, bar rags, bar maids. I'm talking to you! They're scared that Hulkamania is still running wild. Oh, yeah. I got a big fat wife and nine kids at home, and I gotta feed them. And take a look at Jesse the body in real life. Open your hand once if you would. You want to see it? <laughs> this is absolutely unbelievable. Totally, completely out of control. He's coming in over the top. Hey! Look out! Welcome in to AWA Unleashed. We are the preeminent number one podcast dedicated to telling the There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Boy. Here we go. Hold on. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, look what you got to look forward to in 2024. That was the Rocky Mountain Thunder of show intros. That was good. That was good. Uh, I love it. I'm like, you know what? How can I screw this up at the beginning? I'm like, oh, there we go. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Welcome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, not the preeminent open, you guys. It's got to get better from here, doesn't it? <laughs> it is the Rocky Mountain Thunder and the Whitewater. Yes. Of, uh, so what's uh, what's going on? Well, nothing. Now that we're all thrown <laughs> off our game. <laughs> you know, sure. Were um, we ever on our game? Never. Oh, oh my you. gosh. Uh, we're going to have some fun today, guys. We're coming upon show 100, and I'm going to keep my hands away from, from, uh, from that. I don't know how much of the intro got out there. Probably not any. We should probably just start the show over, but we're not going to because I'm too lazy to hit the end recording and restart. Professionals would restart the show, not me. It's live podcasting slash recorded podcasting. It's a Q&A. Good night, everybody. Good night. No, too much goofing. I'm sorry. Yes. It's a, it's a Q&A today, guys. We're at show number 98, and what we've decided is we're going to do 98, 99. We're going to do, uh, what, best best bleeders in AWA history? There we go, and there were a lot of them. Yep. There, yep, there were. Yep. Mad Dog, he's already had his show. He'll maybe, you know, we'll get we'll get back to him here. He's, he's part, of, part of the Q&A here. But you guys, show number 100 is going to be at the beginning of 2024. We're going to take a couple of weeks off. I'm going to figure out how to work a, a, a damn microphone uh, and a, you know, headphone. So I'm going to figure out the technical side of it because apparently I'm going backwards. Uh, but we're going to take a couple of weeks off just to let you guys know uh, in advance. So we're going to take a couple weeks off the beginning of 2024. We've got some things that we're working on. If you have not followed the, uh, the podcast, which I'm sure a lot of you here, you have. Subscribe on the YouTube channel, uh, AWA Unleashed. I know we get a lot of people that will just watch and kind of do it casually. If you guys can, 
subscribe to the, the the YouTube channel or you know Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, wherever you get your your podcast. We've got some things we've got coming up, and there it's a lot of paperwork. Let's just say that there's a lot of technical you know stuff we have to take care of, and I know it's just very ambiguous. But once we get all of that stuff finalized and we get the approval, I think you guys are really going to like 2024 because we've got some things that I think you guys have been asking for and we're, we're trying to get it all lined up. Is that is that fair to say? More than fair to say, and we're going to do it because you know what? We've got you at the helm. Where's my white flag? <laughs> Hi, Chris. <laughs> okay, let's get to some Q&A, shall we? Three minutes remaining. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we talked about the Team Challenge Series. This should cheer everybody up. I put on the, the sheet there, guys, some of the names that people had come up with for our team names for the Team Challenge Series. You guys want to read those? Because I've done a lot of the talking. Do you want me to read them to you guys? And you guys yeah, react? You, you, you read them. You okay. read them. Okay, so apparently we, we've had, uh, and I think it was actually brought up to us, by uh, Matt Kessling. And he's like, hey, so random thought, if the AWA Unleashed podcast were to do the team challenge series, what would the team names be? Silly or serious? Uh, I think right now mine would be Tubbs Incompetent Doofuses. I would uh, put that first. But uh, first of all, from Mike Moran, he put Tubbs Taints, Mixed Manscapers, and Joe's Polish Sausages. Wow. Mike, if you're going to make the insinuation of Polish sausages, at least say Polska kielbasas. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. You tell a guy who wears a mask and has a noose, tell him what to do. I'm I did. I did. Yeah, I, I know you did. Yeah, you, man. You like, day and now. you like to talk a lot of shit to people with masks between uh, Barry Darsaw and Mike Moran, man. You, you like to. Good luck to you. Hey. I am I am the heel of AWA Unleashed. Bill Klein had mixed cat house, Polish Joe's K's, and Tubbs Body by Pizza. Okay, I okay. like that. Okay. Uh, Kevin Lucklow had Butter Tubs, Polish Bros, and the Karch Bridgers. I'm not sure what the Bridgers is. Is the that Stone Karch Bridgers? Oh, oh as, in, as in the Stone Arch Bridge in Minneapolis. Yeah. Very clever. Okay. Very clever. Okay, I like this. Uh, Mario Salas had Karch's Buffet Busters, Joel's Polishers, and Tubbs's Soda Stickers. The Buffet Busters gets me on that one. And I think then, it's Joel's Polishers instead of Polishers, but that's, you know. Polisher. Uh, see, I didn't want to go that route. I didn't want to go that route. but okay. I know Salas, and I know that's what he meant. Okay, see, I'm trying to be nice. You're taking it in a direction I don't think it's meant to go. Or maybe no. it's supposed to go in that. I'm... I'm trying to keep it clean, guys. I, you know, believe it or not, I don't, I don't think like that. Uh, Why not? <laughs> okay. Uh, from Brian, uh, Brian Huff, Mix Marauders, Joe's Big Nipple Nights, and Tubbs Tornadoes. I like the wow. Big Nipple Nights. Yeah, I like that. Okay. 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 And then uh, finally, we had a Dream Team Challenge tag match only: Karch's Cowboys with Lands and Mulligan versus the Polish Princes Ivan and Scott Putzky. And Tubbs' treasures, Adrian Street and Adrian Adonis. Wow. We had some really good. And if you guys have like an idea for the Team Challenge Series thing, 
I, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, put it in the YouTube comments or put it on Facebook or send it to us. That's kind of cool. All three people that are left watching this show, please do that for us. Yeah. And all three people that are watching the show are on the podcast right now. <laughs> Too much clowning. Too much clowning. <laughs> well, that was a legit, but those were such good sex suggestions. I wanted to get them in. Absolutely. And we right. appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, the, the feedback the feedback is great, you guys. You know, whether it's on the fan page or, or whatnot. So, all right, let's get to the Q&A because we got about 16 of them here, and we're going to buzz through. You guys ready? Ready to go. Let's do all it. All right. This first one's for you, Joe, uh, and also Mick from Clint Ash. Knowing the disdain for Buck Zumhoff, have to ask both of you because you worked with him. Was there ever any suspicion with what he was doing away from the ring? You want to kick it off there, pal? I don't know into how much detail um, I should go. The, sh the short answer, yes. Um, I, 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 I honestly, I don't know how far or how much time this thing deserves. But yes. <laughs> Those signs, I I verbally heard those signs from his mouth in about 1986. I was lucky enough not to be uh, party to that uh, directly from him. Uh, I didn't actually work with Buck until after I was out of the AWA. Uh, I had one uh, Saturday night at ringside. We went to the prison uh, in Stillwater, Minnesota, where Buck was in for the first time. And uh, we did a we did a house show in the prison. I want to say that was 88 or 89. I, did, I actually worked for Buck. I did some of his independent shows uh, into the 1990s. There were always rumors, but it was kind of like, ha, 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 you know. And, and nobody was really taking it seriously. Uh, what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, can be Googled online. We don't have to go into detail, but uh, there were rumors. And unfortunately, those rumors were substantiated and then some to the hundredth degree. And that's about enough of that. He's yeah. where he deserves to be. Yep. And uh, that will probably be the only picture that we ever show Buck Zumhoff on the uh, on the podcast but it felt like it was it, it was a serious enough question with that that we wanted to kind of you know it's the reality of the situation that it's a very it's a very disturbing situation like you said he's right where he deserves to be uh for you joe from david mulholland is he correct that curtis hughes was a part of the team challenge series and do you remember working with him yes and yes yeah Kurt, um Obviously, very young in the business, he came up through um, uh, through the um, St. Louis, Kansas City, the Mid America area, and uh, you know, I, I I could see that yeah, this kid could do something in the business. Um, he had enough talent behind him. Uh, he was green, but uh, worked his way up to the top, and I had no problems with him whatsoever. Curtis was a, was great to work with. Nice guy. Very nice guy. I worked with him in the AWF for a little while, of course, uh, known as Mr. Hughes mm -hmm. on occasion. Uh, and yeah, I agree with you, Joe. Talented guy. Very, very pleasant to be around. 
And, and when you guys are talking about green in the business, it seems like a lot of that happened during that era of the AWA where you had a lot of guys that had a lot of talent, but they were just very, very young in their careers and, and, you know, really used that as a stepping stone because there was no other choice. Absolutely. All right. All right. right, Let's get to the uh, next one here for you, Mick from Stacy Manderville. Uh, Thanks to your group for providing these great memories until I the open Uh, is butcher Vashon still with us. God bless his heart. Butcher Vashon is uh, still with us. I believe he is living in Vermont. He posts on Facebook and he acknowledges the fact that uh, age and frailties are catching up with him. Um, I don't know how old Butcher is. He's got to be pushing 90. I would, I would guess upper 80s, 90 years old. Just a terrific guy. And I love this picture. That goes back actually to the late 1950s, before he was Butcher Vashon, he was Nikolai Zolotov, and he wrestled here in the uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul area back then. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous guy. Nothing but respect but for Butcher Vashon. But, yeah, he's he's still alive and kicking. God bless him. The big dog. The bigger of the two. Big man, Yes. Mm. Uh, this is for all of us from Ted Yates, uh, diehard old school fan here. Question is about cage matches. Why was there hardly ever any blood spilled in cage matches? You see in WWE back in the day, you always saw lots of red in the AWA cage. That is a good question because you can't have a PG-13 product and have a cage match. I Those two, they do not go hand in hand. So I feel like that's a really good question. Chris, you can have the cage match. You just can't bleed. And, uh, and I think oh, that, that makes is, sense. Yeah. That is, that is a glaring distinction between nowadays and back in the AWA days or any promotion for that matter. Uh, AEW certainly has more than their share of blood. I love this picture. Uh, there is your, uh, your prototypical mad dog Vashon doing a, a promo for a cage match with me and Gene incredulous in the background. Uh, you hit the nail on the head when when the WWE uh, went to a PG-13 format, uh, they opted to get rid of the blood. Uh, I believe that still holds today. If you see blood on a WWE show, it's by accident. Or as they say in the business, it's the hard way. Um, no blading anything like that. And coincidentally, if I remember right, Linda McMahon was simultaneously running for some kind of a political position at the time. And WWE thought it would be best if they toned down the product a little bit. You know, it, it it's so glaring. You see guys get their heads run into a cage in WWE and nobody bleeds. In the AWA days or NWA, as soon as a guy touched that steel, He was cut wide open. So that's it in a nutshell. And maybe it'll go back to where it was. If you want blood, the AEW will give you buckets of it. Yeah. I mean, from a business perspective, I get why the WWE does it. However, so much of old school wrestling has been, shall I say, bastardized. Watered down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the whole point of the cage match was that is the ultimate conclusion 
of yeah. an angle. And growing up and going to the AWA matches and then later working them, when when you knew that it was a cage match and it was booked inside that 12, 16-foot high steel cage, you knew there was going to be blood. The promos leading into it called for it to be blood. How the hell could you have a cage match with Mad Dog Bashan and Crusher without blood? You couldn't. You couldn't. And you shouldn't. And you want a definitive winner, right? It's like if you've got somebody, if you beat down your opponent, then you are definitively the better competitor. You're you're the so to me, it's a clear winner and loser. I feel like it's just it's that simple when you're talking about these big time blow off matches. No question about it, Chris. And also, it was a pinfall in the middle of the ring. One, two, three. That ended the cage match. It wasn't escape through the door or climb up and, and try to get out and bail out. Yeah. It was mano a mano and lots of blood and the best man won. And those were the glory days. Yeah. For, yeah. I, I was ne- I've never been a fan of that first one to climb out yeah. of the cage. It's like, so you're a chicken shit and you're running away. I'd love to see a cage match where they both get in the bell rings and somebody just walks right out the door. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. I, I, I mean, great booking, right? Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> no blood, no match. <laughs> no, hey, ding, ding, ding. Here we go. Hey, hey, for you, Mick, from Jeff Miller, uh, he understands that early in his career, Ric Flair was a huge Dusty Rhodes fan, was going to claim he was related to him. Any truth to this? Absolute truth. Uh, when Rick got into the business, this was a time when Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch were doing extremely well in the AWA area. And Rick Flair was a huge Dusty Rhodes fan. And he proposed the idea not only to Vern Gagne, but also, I, I believe, to Dusty himself. And he said, I want to portray myself as a cousin of Dusty Rhodes, and I want to be rambling Ricky Rhodes. And both Vern and Dusty said, no, be yourself, <laughs> be Ric Flair, create a career for yourself, which, it, you know, in retrospect, it turned out very well. But look at that. What a great picture that is. That's Dusty uh, looking as only Dusty Cat on the left, and that is rambling Ricky Rhodes, Ric Flair in the <laughs> middle, and then, of course, Dick Murdoch. And uh, yeah, that was the Nature Boy's idea. He was built like Dusty in the sense that he was about mm-hmm. 300 pounds, 300 pounds plus. And uh, he just thought this would be a great idea to springboard, springboard his career. But Dusty and Vern put the ifsnade to it. Wow. There you go. Didn't, uh, didn't Dusty, his scowl, didn't he look like that one Muppet that had the really long face? Who's got that big frown? Beaker? You know which one I'm talking about? No, not Beaker. Uh, I'll have to see. I don't even have a picture of it, but I was just looking at it because you look at the like, look at the very left, right? He's got wow. that fr- frown. It's like, mm, there's that. Muppet he's got that like, mm. uh, yeah, I just had that Taco Bell expression on his face. There. <laughs> see, I'll, 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 I'll find it. I will, I will find it. See, I should have been better prepared, but once my mic went out, pretty much everything just went to hell in a handbasket. Uh, for you, uh, for Joe from uh, Ken Adelman, uh, was the Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, what was he like to work with? He remembers his AWA feud with Wahoo. 
Uh, Manny came into the AWA, I believe it was the late 87-ish, maybe 80. That would have been 87, 88. Um, he came in to continue the feud with Wahoo McDaniel. They had uh, done a, a long run in the NWA, and Wahoo was up here. Manny followed up um, from an office perspective. It was another uh, attempt at trying to <laughs> sell some tickets. Uh, sadly, I don't know that it did much, but as far as Manny himself, uh, just a, a true pro. When that light went on and he was in front of the camera, Manny could cut a promo like few others could. Um, never had any issues with them in the locker room, um, on interview days or anything. I, just a pro, just a pro, and and always kind to me. I don't have a bad thing to say about the Raging Bull. Manny was a great guy, and you said it, Joe. They carried the the feud with Wahoo into the AWA area, and you talk about blood. You know, you had plenty of blood when uh, when Manny and Wahoo went at it, and uh, that picture was from Cauliflower Alley Club many, many years ago. But a uh, great professional, absolutely. Very, a tough guy, really a tough guy, uh, Manny Fernandez. Yes. This is for uh, for you guys from Randy Kitzman. Any idea what happened to the tag team known as the Terminators? Very, very interesting question. Uh, the Terminators... The first time I had contact with them, it was actually Dan Brignati, uh, Terminator Riggs, and John Voigt, uh, who wrestled as Terminator Crow back in the AW or in the PWA, Eddie Sharkey days. Uh, John Voigt has since passed away, unfortunately, he had kind of a, a rocky life. Uh, that on the left is Doug Fisher, who became Terminator Wolf. And teamed up not only in the PWA with Rignati, but also in the AWA uh, towards the end of the run. They actually had wrestled, uh, I believe it was Voight and Rignati wrestled in the Memphis area. Uh, had a feud with Jerry Lawler in some tag team matches. So they've been around the block, both of them. And Dan Rignati, the Terminator, uh, Terminator Riggs, has expressed an interest in being on our podcast. And I think that would be a great, great episode. Nice. Yeah, they, they weren't in the AWA for very long. Um, I think they might have made one or two shots, and yep. that was about it. Thanks for the question, Randy Kitzman. Yeah. All right, this one is for you, Mick, from Quinn Jacobson. Uh, he's heard a few times about an incident with Vern Gagne and Chavo Guerrero Sr. at Cauliflower Alley Club that could have turned very nasty. Were you there, Mick? And if so, can you explain? I was there, and it was very ugly. Uh, this firm was uh, coming into Las Vegas to get an award at Cauliflower Alley Club, and it was at a time where, sadly, Vern was already starting to be a little bit uh, touched upstairs. And, uh, you know, there was some concern about the family sending Vern to Las Vegas, you know, under those circumstances. Uh, but they did, and with the help of uh, my friend Dale Spear, who uh, kind of directed Vern from the airport to the to the hotel, uh, Vern managed to navigate fairly well <clears throat> over the weekend. The situation with Chavo Guerrero, I remember this so vividly. Uh, everybody is in the hospitality room. Everybody's kind of, you know, having a good time. And all of a sudden, Chavo, who had been imbibing more than a little bit, 
uh, went up to Vern and confronted Vern about his payoff or lack thereof from Super Clash 3, which, of course, at that point was, you know, 15, 16, 17 years earlier. Uh, and Vern, not only because of the state that he was in, but also legitimately with all the people he's dealt with, he said to Chavo Guerrero, I, I don't know you. Who are you? Well, this agitated Chavo even more. And uh, he started berating Vern. And Nick Bockwinkle and Red Bastine and Rick Renslow are off to the side. And they're kind of watching this a little bit because they don't want a real escalation. And Chavo at one point picks up a beer bottle off one of the banquet tables and starts approaching Vern. Well, security kind of jumped in and got him out of there. Uh, Vern, even at that point, probably would have stretched Chavo from here to Neptune. Uh, but it was a very ugly incident. And shortly after that, uh, Dale Spear and I saw Chavo downstairs in the concession area. And he was pleading his case to one of the cashiers at one of the food stands. And he was singing Viva La Raza as he walked out of the building. And that was the end of that. But uh, it could have gotten really ugly really fast but Vern legitimately did not remember him mm -hmm. wow i've never heard that story before shame on you chavo yeah scary yeah. stuff yeah and I mean, if you know that somebody's in that state of mind i just don't know why you would bring up something that is 17 18 years old I mean, can't you? Yeah, I mean, I hate that. It's not true. an no, excuse, no, no. but that's that's the reality. I mean, would he have done yeah. that if he wasn't sober? I don't think so. He obviously was thinking it, but alcohol—it's mm -hmm. liquid courage. Yeah. Who hasn't done stupid shit when they've had too much to drink and come to regret it the next day? It was. Yeah. Uh, it was a very ugly, very tense situation, guys. That's you know. It really is a shame that you kind of you kind of feel bad for Vernon something like that where yeah yeah he has no idea what's going on. Uh, this one is for me from Will Nesbitt. I know many fans have submitted requests for certain guests to be on the show. You stated that you try hard to line them up. Aside from logistics and being AWA connected, are there any criteria for who you would or would not have on the show? Uh, as a follow up, are there any wrestlers that have flat out said no to appearing? Uh, there really aren't any criteria per se. We're usually pretty open to anybody that has a connection or even a, uh, like Jerry Lynn is uh, a Minnesota connection because we're based in the Twin Cities. And I know we've got a lot of people outside of the Twin Cities and, you know, nationwide, worldwide even that watch this podcast. So there aren't any criteria there's nobody that we've said at, you know, no to, and there've only been nobody I think has particularly said no guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that there's been one person that was about a week, week and a half ago, Mick, and I know you're talking. And I think Joe, you know who I'm talking about as well, that basically put themselves in a light that said, I'm too busy to do it. Yeah. And believe me, this is somebody that if you Google them, you would have to look at a picture. They'd have to wear a name tag for people to know who they were. Cause it's not anybody that is of any particular relevance. It would be a filler guest. No offense to this filler guest. You're not that over as you, you think you are, but uh, 
it's just so hard, guys, to to let you. And again, I feel like I'm just being so ambiguous because there are just certain certain requirements that have to be met with certain individuals. Shall we say that? And but no, to answer it, nobody said no really except for that one. And it's it's just a matter of working out, you know, working out particulars and paperwork and all that. We've reached out to a lot of people and nine times out of 10, it has been a logistic situation or a scheduling situation. Yes. We can't make it. Um, and we do our best to reschedule, but sometimes things just, things just don't happen the way that we want to. And that's why we have to pivot. Yeah. And, and truly, and Chris and Joe, you know, this, we're not going to beg anybody, you know, we want them to be on the podcast. If they yeah. have an AWA connection, if they show the, an inclination to go the other way and it's not of interest to them, that that's fine. Yeah, you know, that's okay. Um, we also, I think, have a little bit of a criteria in terms of content. And we've talked about this off camera. Yeah. We don't want anybody coming on and bullshitting us um, because you, the viewing public and the listeners, are pretty smart to what's going on. And you know your wrestling history, especially on an old school podcast like this. And if somebody's not going to come on and be honest with you, it makes us look bad it makes them look bad it makes you look stupid it puts everybody in a really uncomfortable situation because it it's like when you know something is false how do you call that out or how do you point that out without being confrontational and making the other person defensive i mean there it's it's a very delicate it's it's a delicate dance it really is and i know chris you have had many people who have said we've answered the questions here on the air what about this guy? What about that guy? I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, nobody works harder than Chris to try to make these things happen. And sometimes it's a quick connection. Sometimes it's just dragged on and on and on. Uh, but rest assured, we take your suggestions to heart and uh, do the best follow up on them. Yeah. And produce a weekly show that every once in a while might not start out the best way. <laughs> Oh, there he went. Much better. Oh, much. much he went much. faster than he went faster than the wicked witch in the in the uh, trap door. <laughs> there in the Aquarius. Oh, there, there you go. And just remember, oh. this is a powerful finger, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I know those. Moving on. All right, but yeah, no, we we do. And, and let me say this one more time: working in the radio business as well, there are people that that. It may take me six or seven or eight months before we get them to, to get on. Like, it takes time. It really, really does. Uh, so, yeah, I believe we're, we're doing the very, very best that we can. Uh, this is from Ann Lynn Collins. She followed wrestling back to the 70s. Don't know if people realize all the incredible stars that Vern Gagne trained. Uh, if you could each pick one wrestler that was the overall best, who would it be? Mm. Uh Wow. The list, it's so hard to pick just one. Uh, I'm going to go with mine first. And I'm kind of glad that we didn't all pick the same ones because I feel like it would be easy to do. But I'm going to go with the late, great Iron Sheik, a legit wrestler. The history is well known, like who he was and how he came in and for Vern to take the natural athletic ability in the Olympic champion of Castro to turn him into this individual, I think is a remarkable transformation 
and speaks to the ability to get a legitimate badass like the Iron Sheik and help mold him what he was. Sounds kind of cliche, but I that's that's my pick, guys. Oh, good call. There are so many that we could choose from. Uh, I'm not even going to start naming them because I don't know who Mick is going to do, but I'm going to go with Kurt Henning. Um, I, I just, Kurt became Mr. Perfect. And when he did, um, it was the perfect gimmick. And I enjoyed it so much because I saw him grow from this pudgy kid who could barely cut a promo to a superstar. I was fortunate enough to see his ascension to the top of the business. And like I've said about Bobby Heenan before, the greatest overall all-time talent, I'm going to put Mr. Kurt Henning top five, maybe even top three, in my opinion, from being able to work, cut a promo, do commentary, uh, just everything. Kurt Henning was perfect. I, I totally agree with you, Joe, and believe me, it was really tough for me not to say Kurt. Uh, the only thing that kind of held me back a little bit was in terms of longevity in the ring. Uh, and Kurt was a little bit injury prone. He had to take some time off here and there. Um, but certainly one of the greatest of all time. There's no question about it. My pick, and there were so many, my God, Vern trained so many, but Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, uh, who, of course, started here in the AWA, trained in his, uh, his name, uh, Richard Blood, uh, Dick Blood, uh, started out doing preliminary matches here in the AWA and then, of course, went on to huge success in the Mid-Atlantic area and then into WWF and then, of course, uh, WCW, NWA. Uh, I don't know that there has been a better babyface, fluid, scientific wrestler that maintained momentum for 20-plus years like Ricky Steamboat. Um, so that would be my pick. But again, my God, ladies and gentlemen, you go online and you look at the guys that Vern Gagne trained, not the least of which was mm -hmm. Ric Flair. Um, absolutely stunning, the guys he brought into the business. Yeah, throw in Sergeant Slaughter, throw oh. in Playboy Buddy Rose. I mean, didn't he train? Uh, didn't he train Larry too? He, he did. He had a hand okay. in training Larry. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the list is endless. I mean, you know, Kent Patera, you know, on and on and yeah. on. Uh, Vern Gagne, legendary. And so when people try to tarnish the legend of Vern Gagne, let's remember who the guys are that he brought into this business that you yes. have supported all these years. Yep, 100%. Vern deserves his flowers with that, no question. Uh, for you, Mick, from Reggie Bell Lewis, uh, why do you think Chris Taylor didn't go further in the business when he arrived with so much hype? That is, I don't think that's a real difficult question to answer. Uh, there was a lot of hype when Chris was uh, coming out of Iowa State University. Uh, you know, 400-pound guy. I, I don't know that he lost too many matches uh, in his lifetime as a collegiate wrestler. And look at that picture. That is, that is Vern Gagne on the left. And there's Chris Taylor, second from the left. Jerry Lewis and Andre the Giant. Uh, going back to the 1970s. Chris Taylor, a big man. I don't know that Chris ever really 
got professional wrestling. Um, his character was so limited and so stilted because he was so big. Uh, and another another uh, side to that is that Chris's personality, he was such a mild-mannered guy for a guy his size, for a monster of a man, 400-plus pounds. And it didn't translate well into interviews and promos on television. And that, of course, is how much of the business is that, Joe? 80% before you even get into the ring. And Chris Taylor, of course, sadly passed away. He suffered an injury in ring and got phlebitis as a result and lost a lot of weight. I believe almost 200 pounds and then sadly passed away. So uh, when Chris first signed with the AWA, it was big news. He allegedly signed like a $400,000 contract and he was going to be the next big star uh, in wrestling. But, uh, you know, he had his moments in the AWA, but nothing spectacular. Yeah, it was a very short run, too. I mean, it was maybe two, three years. Yeah, not, not very long at all. Yep, yep. Yeah. And he debuted against Rene Goulet, uh, who put him over at the Minneapolis Auditorium. Uh, great guy, very nice fellow, uh, Chris Taylor. But sadly, uh, you know, the predictions and the anticipation just didn't pan out. All right, let's get to the next one here, uh, guys. This one's for you, Joe, from Art Winters. Uh, like you, he was a big fan of the Crusher. His favorite tag team partner of his over the years was Red Bastine. How long were the AWA tag champs, and who was your favorite partner for the Crusher? Uh, they were tag champs before me, so Mick might be uh, better to answer that. Uh, about six months is all. Sure, okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. lost it to Bockwinkle and Stevens in 72. And, of course, you know, Red uh, picked the Crusher as his tag team partner after Hercules Cortez died. Um, as far as who my favorite partner for Crusher was, yeah, Red's a tough one to pass up. But I, it's just too difficult to not say his cousin, and I'm doing the air quotes even though I'm not on <laughs> camera, his cousin – dick the bruiser i mean they just they looked like they were relatives they were built they were about the same height they had the same uh you know barroom brawling style i mean just it was dick the bruiser i mean it's a no-brainer for me to answer that one but everybody has their own opinion i would agree with dick the bruiser i don't know how you cannot you know agree with that uh and as you said cousin uh, Dick the Bruiser, and uh, well, it seemed like they're pretty much well. When we did a show of them, they were it was Crusher and Bruiser, it was they were kind of a package deal, yeah, they absolutely were. And of course, Crusher teamed with Mad Dog Vashad for a while, too. You know, they they buried the hatchet, uh, you know, Mad Crusher found Mad Dog lurking in an alley up in Algeria or at some place, and Mad Dog came out and tried to bite him or something, but then they decided <laughs> that, you know, team up, <laughs> team up as a tag team, uh. But no matter who he was with, Crusher was legend. Wrestling logic. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Mick, quick question for you on Bruiser. I believe you know he had the real raspy voice. Yes, he did. He did. Uh, from what I remember, I think the story goes that he got hit in the throat during a football game. I, I have heard that, too. He played for the Packers, I know. 
And uh, I, the injury to his throat was early on. I don't remember exactly how it was. Yeah, but Bruiser had kind of that gravelly, almost uh, like he, he sounded like he was underwater. Uh, he couldn't quite put the the emphasis uh, that Crutcher could do on the, in those promos. But, yeah, I heard the same thing. Football injury gone wrong and uh, messed up for the rest of his life, really. Yeah, and Crusher carried them on the interviews. He Bruiser sure was, eh, he was all right, but Crusher was just Crusher. <laughs> right. Uh, this one is for me from Alex Dunn. Despite what Joe Chupik did to alienate Barry Darsaw, <laughs> smiley face, would it be a natural progression to see if we could land Bill Eady on the podcast? Because oh. he did have a run as the masked superstar. Mm -hmm. And to me, one of the most best and most versatile wrestlers of all time. We have not reached out to Bill Eady, full disclosure. I mean, we've talked to him, but not like in a formal capacity. I would be perfectly fine with Bill Eady because I'm, I know Bill Eady's got stories. And I mean, so many stories. So I, he's definitely on the list of individuals that I would love to, you know, love to look at getting on the show. No question. Bring them on. I need to alienate both of them, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, would I like to see them demolish you, speaking of... Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Bill Eady, what a consummate professional. Uh, you know, when you talk about the greatest masked man ever in wrestling, uh, you would have to say the Destroyer slash Dr. X and Bill Eady, the masked superstar. And if we could get Bill on the show, there he is under the hood. As the mass superstar, one of the greatest of all time, no matter what territory yeah. uh, he was in. The AWA was kind of a short-lived run uh, back in the mid-1980s, but wouldn't that be a natural? And it, I know Chupik would come up with some way, somehow, there he is, there's Bill Eady without the mask, uh, to alienate, piss off, or otherwise uh, really anger, frustrate, and alienate Bill Eady. If anybody can do it, Troops, the guy. You're all cretinous humanoids. Yeah, you'd call, you'd say you were masked, but you weren't a superstar. <laughs> Not even Either that, close. or maybe you should, uh, maybe you should stay masked. Okay, I should. Oh, I got a face made for a vi uh, audio podcast. No, yes. I'm talking. That's what you'd say to Bill. Tell Bill. Oh to stay no, 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 no. Of course no, no. not. You're, you're. My alienation you're is unintentional. Brick. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just remember, <laughs> I've got the magic finger. You do. Yeah. Hey, hey, for the well. Hey, for the crew from Kent Zachariason, tremendous show. Thank you very much, Kent. We appreciate that. Hopefully, you still feel that way after this show. Uh, can you tell me more about Lord Alfred Hayes and the AWA? My memories of him when he was kind of a comedic foil in the WWF. I feel like a lot of people kind of like me we don't know the pre comedic foil is the perfect way to put it lord alfred hayes what was he like before he was that you know primetime wrestling goofball even before he came to the awa lord al was a he was a legend in england i mean that's legit and i mentioned before that they called him judo al hayes he had a judo background uh he was a great technical wrestler uh, and there's Lord Alfred in his prime. Uh, when he got to the AWA, of course, he came in as a heel that uh, looked down his nose at all the commoners, uh, you know, from the Crutcher to uh, 
George Gadzuki and uh, whoever else. Uh, Lord Alfred, from a technical standpoint, guys, he was so good. He teamed up with Roger Kirby in the Central States area. He was a, a technician, but then when he turned heel, he had that nastiness, that that snobbishness to him. And uh, and then, of course, they turned to babyface before he left the AWA, and he wound up wrestling Bobby Heenan in a loser-leave-town match. And lo and behold, Lord Alfred Hayes did the job. Uh, for Bobby Heenan, one of my all-time favorite people to work with. He had a laugh that would rock the heavens. And uh, it's it's sad what happened to him when he went to WWF. I know he made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. There's no question about that. And, of course, I've mentioned before he was in a terrible uh, hit-and-run auto accident uh, up in the New England states. He was actually a pedestrian and got hit by a car. And they wound up taking the two to three inches of spine uh, vertebrae out of Lord Alfred Hayes. And that, you know, Ooh. yeah, yeah. So the last couple of years that we worked together, Alfred had a tough time navigating, mm. uh, but never lost that sense of humor. Love the guy. Yeah. As the foil in the WWE, I got to say, uh, you know, went against everything that he had done prior in the business in terms of how well he did it. But he did the comedic foil extremely well. Yeah. I mean, the think of it, the WWE had Bobby Heenan and Lord Alfred Hayes on the air at the same time. How <laughs> flipping good is that? Promotional consideration paid for by the following. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love uh, it. Yeah. I love it. And you, I mean, it seems like those that could be the most vicious or nasty villains could always turn out to, to have the most comedic side as well. Like you could flip it like two extremes. I no mean, I think that just shows how talented they were. And, and now that makes me want to go back and watch some, some early Lord Alfred stuff. Yeah. If you can, even before he came to the AWA, of course, when he managed Don Jardine and he managed uh, Bob Remus, the super destroyers, and mm -hmm. uh, just a tremendous talent. All right, last one here, guys, and, and uh, we'll wrap it up for 2023 in terms of the Q&A because we wanted to make sure that we cleaned out the, the entire queue, and hopefully everybody got their questions answered. Uh, we'll do uh, another one later on, you know, sometime 2024. We'll do a few. This is for you, Mick, from Barry Gold. You've been verbally assaulted by Chupik and Tubbs. Have you ever been physically... Wow. Have you ever been physically assaulted? by a wrestler uh you mean besides a guy throwing his glasses at me at the announce table uh yes <laughs> i have <clears throat> and uh i i know you have a a for and yes i've been verbally assaulted by you regardless of the deserved it shit that you just said chupik um but yes and i know chris you have a picture of this absolutely malicious vicious assault let's take a look at there you go there you go. That is Sodbuster Kenny J, who I thought was a nice guy. And Kenny J is delivering his famous sod grip to me. Uh, what bothers me the most about this picture is not so much the pain and the agony that I went through. And Kenny mm -hmm. was Kenny was shooting. He was uh, putting that thumb in there pretty good. I, it's the fact that I have my fifth chin is being exposed <laughs> In this photograph, I mean, Kenny has the thumb underneath the underneath the chin, 
now talking about the Ganya sleeper, underneath the chin, and he's pushing up those various uh, chins of mine. And I counted, uh, and I don't want to do it now, don't want to, you know, enhance the picture, but five, count them, there were five chins. So that, to me, was probably the most vicious assault I've had by a wrestler, my old buddy, Kenny J. But the important question, Mick. Uh, here we go. Did he break the hold within the five count? Uh, five hours. Uh, well, I some... didn't say what the five related well, to. He does have two. Yeah, he, he does have two five. Yeah. So it's yeah, all yeah. legal. It's all legal. Kenny, and, and amazingly, nobody ran in to break up the hold. That's that's the thing that bothered me the most. Well, they but see, let me let, let me say let, let, let me say Mick, that thankfully you had five chins because if you only had one or two chins, like it would have been done. Those extra chins served as protection. You know, I never looked at it that way. And that's why that, you're still here. Yeah. To be honest with you, Chris, uh, now that I look at it that way, mm -hmm. I don't give a shit. It still, you know, was a, a horrible incident. <laughs> I don't and and, and I, I thank you for trying. Uh, but but uh, Kenny J. <laughs> Very capable. Sidebuster Kenny J. Yes. God love him. All right. Well, we got off to a little bit of a slow start and too much goofing around. So quit screwing around. Never. So never. But we did finish. We got a few minutes left here, guys. Uh, again, we do want to say thank you to everybody as this is episode number 98. We got one more for the year 2023, which is like the best bleeders or what are we doing next week? Nick, something about it's yeah, it'll be the bleeders. It'll be the, okay. the guys that spilled a little blood in the rings okay. of the AWA. Okay. All right. So we're going to do that. Uh, if you haven't, subscribe, rate, review, YouTube. Uh, that's where, again, that's where we get a lot of the, you know, that's kind of the main algorithm. But Spotify, you know, Google, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast. We want to make sure that you subscribe, rate, review. 2024, we're close to finalizing some pretty big things. And it's just, it's so close, guys. 2024, I feel like if you guys have enjoyed the podcast so far, you guys are really going to enjoy what we've got coming up because we've got things planned that we have never done before. Uh We've got ideas that we're hoping to incorporate that will go well. And it's going to be a fantastic year if you want to support the podcast. Let me let me say that. If you want to be a part of it, we're going to grow this thing bigger and better. I think you hit the nail right on the head, Chris, because we are going to make people more a part of it. I mean, yes. there's going to be you know some, some very tangible stuff uh, that is going to get our viewers and our listeners involved. And uh, hang, hang tight. It's going to be a good ride in 2024. I'm encouraged by what you said, you know, that um, we're going to be entertaining. Nice change. Who said entertaining? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just pop. One of those voices in my head. Yeah, I, I believe me. I've said a lot of things. I've never said anything entertaining or said the word entertaining. <laughs> yeah, if you're here for entertainment, go to a different podcast. <laughs> you, have the, you have the trifecta of not entertaining right in front of you, ladies and gentlemen. Here we yes. are. Yes, yeah. yes. Not competent, not entertaining. Just uh, so. Here. 
you were, we're just here. Why are you watching it? Because it's on the internet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's true. Uh, <laughs> yes, so it's all true. Uh, let's get to some shout outs here, guys, and then we'll uh, then we'll wrap it up. Mick, why don't you go first? I'm going to give a shout out to my dear friend, Lenise Hennig, uh, Kurt Hennig's widow. And uh, she she spawned some wonderful sons as well, including uh, Hank and, and uh, Joe. And uh, Lenise is Not a me. dedicated, <laughs> a dedicated listener of the podcast. I mean, she listens to every word. And uh, God love her. She's a wonderful person. And shout out to Lenny's. Hopefully she will still be listening at the, at the, uh, after no, no, this. no, no, no. She fell asleep. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't blame her. I would too. If I had to listen to this anyway, uh, my <laughs> shout out and yeah, I keep going to the fact that I screwed up the beginning of the open, but I don't, it just like bothers me. So anybody don't worry about it. redo the whole show. Yeah. Okay. All right. Starting Ready? three. Three, two, one. Hey, my shout out is going to go to uh, Arnold Old School on YouTube. Uh, no idea who he is, but that is the handle that he's using. And he's made uh, some really fun comments on YouTube in terms of just like supporting the podcast. So I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're from, but Arnold Old School on YouTube. Thank you for uh, for chiming in and uh, always enjoy seeing your comments there. So that is uh, that is my shout out, and there's a reason why I went second after Mick Joe Chupik. The floor is yours. Um, just before uh, we went on the air uh, with this episode, I hopped on Facebook and um, saw a post that uh, properly directed me to change my shout out this week um my shout out goes out to will brian um whipper will brian as larry nelson gave him the nickname um will and i got hired at the same time at the awa worked together for uh, about two and a half three years and uh, about seven, eight years ago, we were able to reconnect on Facebook, uh, reconnect with Mike Shields, who was our direct boss at the AWA and, and had just a fantastic thread talking about memories, uh, stories um, that we had done during our time with the AWA. Uh, if it wasn't for Will Bryan, not Vern Gagne, not Kathy Gagne, but if it wasn't for Will Bryan, I would not have had my career in the AWA. In professional wrestling, I would not be on this podcast. I would not have directed hundreds of shows, uh, done camera for hundreds of shows, edited tens of thousands of hours of professional wrestling if it wasn't for Will Bryan. Well, the post that I got or that I saw today was that Will, who um, my age, 58, Will might have been 59, uh, sadly passed away 
uh, yesterday. Um, Will was a devout Iowa Hawkeye fan. After his time with the AWA, he went to Denver, moved on to Florida, and unfortunately experienced uh, uh, some strokes or some medical issues, I'll say, in recent years, and so ended up moving back home. And the medical issues were hereditary, sadly. Um, but most sadly is that the reason that I had my career in the AWA, Will Bryan, has uh, sadly gone up to that big ring in the sky, as they say, and I'm not going to do the 10 dings, but I'll just ask everybody just whether you find me entertaining or not, whether you like me or not. Um, today is just a sad day. And in honor of Will, um, I'm doing a mental 10 bell tribute, 10 bell salute to him to thank him for giving me this career in professional wrestling. So, Will, thank you, and rest in peace.